So what happens to people when they die? Um, if they ask God into their heart, they go into heaven. Where is heaven? Heaven is up in the sky. How do we get to heaven? God carries us up. How does he take us there? By flying. Like in a jet plane? No. No? You only go there when you die. Oh. Why do you think some people are scared to die? Um, do they think they're just gonna um, lay down and then just do nothing, and then they're just gonna not be in the earth anymore. Are people scared to die? Some people are. Are you? No, not that, no. I mean, I'm not scared to go to heaven. I asked you if you were scared to die, not... Scared to die? Yeah. Um, I'm scared to, like, go through pain. How I want to die is I want to die in my sleep painlessly. God wakes up in the middle of the night. Jesus wakes up in the middle of the night. He's like, time to go to heaven. Come here. And then he takes you up there. And then you're like, I think I die in my sleep painlessly. The Bible says that there is a house in heaven with many, many rooms. What do they look like? I don't know. My house would be all gold, and I would ask maids to be there, so I wouldn't have to do the work. It would be painted like the Packers Stadium, and in the backyard, it would look like the Packers Field. Just like the the lines and the numbers and everything? Yeah. Wow. It'd be two rooms. I nice to meet you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, oh no. <laughs> yes, uh, how many know if heaven's painted by, like Lambeau Field, that might be a struggle for some, huh? Yeah, oh, I just love, I love what the kids say and their thoughts of it, and uh, I've loved that angle as we've gone through the series and uh, just have absolutely loved uh, just, again, seeing what they say and what does the Bible have to say about heaven. And uh, we're going to look at it a little bit more, but I want to get you caught up to speed really quick if you've been away or uh, just have, haven't taken in all the series. Uh, we don't have time to go into all this, but I just will tell you in week one, we talked about heaven is real. It's a real place that really exists, that we are going to be with God forever. Uh, we talked about that those that call on the name of the Lord uh, shall be saved. They'll be forgiven of their sins. They will have eternal life in heaven. And uh, it's an amazing thing that we'll be with God forever and ever and ever. And you need to do that now. You need to call upon his name now. And if you do that, you'll settle your eternity. The Bible says you'll have eternal life. Now we're going to continue today answering questions. We've had a lot of questions that have been uh, emailed in, texted in, and uh, so I won't be able to get to all of them. I will tell you this, that uh, this, uh, all the questions that were coming in uh, were bigger than a half hour, bigger than an hour, probably several hours, and uh, it's almost like uh, the headlines, uh, and you're kind of like, well, I'll skip that one, skip that one. All right, let's deal with this one. I will try to pick and choose based on time and uh, following just a prompting of the Lord, trying to get through all these things on heaven and the questions that were answered. Again, we will not be able to get to all of them. Some of them will also be uh, answered next week, and we're going to talk about what is Jesus doing in heaven right now? 
And what does he look like in heaven right now and uh, what's awaiting us? So that will be next week. But today, uh, we're going to answer questions about heaven. And uh, I have the book with me that uh, I've been using in this series. Obviously, we've been using the Bible, but uh, Randy Elkhorn wrote a book on heaven that I absolutely think is amazing. It has so many uh, pages in there, like 500 pages, all sorts of questions. If you're looking for more, if this is what your appetite Please uh, take a look at this. I actually got this at Half Price Books for $6.98. What a deal. So, and uh, any book by um, Billy Graham, he's got a couple on heaven and uh, one that's coming out right now. Uh, I would just strongly recommend those, that those are amazing, amazing resources. Now, here's what we know from the scriptures. There's too many to mention, uh, even that heaven will be beyond our wildest imagination. Heaven is going to be beyond what we can imagine, but this earth is a starting point. So a lot of people ask questions like, well, will it have this? Will it be like this? And the reason you ask that question is really earth is the starting point. At one point, uh, earth was a uh, garden of Eden. It was perfect. There was no sin. There were no thorns and thistles. There was no curse that the earth was under. And so what we have now is the remnants of what was at one time perfect. And so when we look around, we say, I wonder if heaven will have, I wonder if heaven will have, and, and this is a starting point. And there's nothing wrong with using this as a starting point. I think that's encouraged. And I think a lot of the desires and a lot of the questions that we have are birthed out of the fact that there's something in us that wants perfection, that wants to be with God and, and wants to know, well, if this is good, what will that be? And I will just tell you this over and over again. I believe heaven is an upgrade. It's an upgrade. It's a complete upgrade. It's not only good, it's awesome. It's not only awesome, it's more awesomer than you could ever imagine, all right? And that's not a word, but it should be, all right? It's going to be amazing, and it's going to be an upgrade. But we start from the perspective that we have here, and so we start asking questions. And so people uh, sent in, and they said, will there be time in heaven? What's heaven going to be like? Will there be time? And um, some people read, like, 2 Peter 3.8, it says... But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. And so people are like, is it a day? Is it a thousand years? Is there really time? Will there be any need for time in heaven? And then you might read Revelation 10.6, and depending on the translation of the Bible that you're reading, remember, the Bible was written in Hebrew, Greek, and Aramaic, and then it's been translated into other languages. And so in those translations, they may use different words. But Revelation 10, 6 says this, And he swore by him who lives forever and ever, who created the heavens and all that is in them, the earth and all that is in it, and the sea and all that is in it, and said, There will be no more delay. Now, some translations say there'll be no more time. And some people say, well, does that mean there won't be any time in heaven? Revelation is a view of what's coming in the future. And I want to let you know that the uh, more appropriate word that should be used in interpreting there in Revelation 10.6 should be that the best translation is, there'll be no more delay. Whatever God wants to do, God will get done. There is no more delay. Everything he wants to deliver, everything that he wants to happen will happen. And time is not a bad thing. How many know time is not a bad thing, but time, time's up is a bad thing? You're like, time's up. How many know that we, we grieve because time's up? We grieve because death says time's up. And so we grieve that time is up, 
but time is not a bad thing. Matter of fact, Revelation 8.1 says that uh, there was a silence in heaven for about a half hour. So as the Apostle John is writing about heaven, he actually has an awareness of time, and so there will be time, but you won't run out of time. There won't be a need for a watch, and uh, you will not run out of time. Time's not a bad thing. Uh, another thing that people ask, will there be the sun? Will there be moon? Uh, will there be oceans? And uh, one person said, if there's not an ocean, I don't know if I want to go there. And I, I was like, wait, 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 hold on. It's way greater than an ocean, all right? And I don't know who sent all these in. They were sent anonymous. So I'm not hunting you down or anything. But uh, Revelation 21, 23, this one is where people would say, there's no sun. There must be no sun in heaven, no moon. And it says this, Revelation 21, 23, the city, the New Jerusalem, does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and the Lamb is its lamp. Now, I want to point this out, and this is very important. It says, the city does not need the sun or the moon. It doesn't say there will not be sun or moon. It just says there won't be any need for it because Jesus will be brighter than anything the sun does or anything the moon does. And the best way I could illustrate this is um, in my home, I may have the lamp on in the living room, but we've got this full wall of windows and on a bright sunny day, I don't need the lamp, but the lamp may be on in my home, but I don't need it. It can be on, it can be there, but the light is so much greater that's coming in through the window than anything that I have going on with the lamp. And so don't just uh, read something and think, well, that means there's no sun or no moon. It doesn't say that. It says the city does not need it. And with that, if I could just say this about heaven, let's be very careful as we look at heaven and what the Bible has to say about heaven and not add stuff to it. Let's not take away things from it. Let's be very careful with the Word of God that we are making sure that we're accurate on what heaven talks about or what the Bible says about heaven. Um, Revelation 21.1 says this, uh, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. So this is where people say, is there going to be an ocean? Is there going to be anything like that? Now, I want you to understand, in Jewish culture, sea is what separated people from one another. Think about our oceans. They separate the continents. You have to fly over the ocean. It's, and, and the idea here was there, we'll all be together. There won't be anything that's keeping us apart. And there may or may not be oceans, but I will tell you this, there's water in heaven. Okay, there's water in heaven. Revelation 22 uh, says this. It says, then the angel showed me the river of water of life. Listen, river of water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of that tree are for the healing of the nations. There's a river, and the water has to go somewhere, and maybe your home will be waterfront, all right? I don't know. But I'm just telling you, there's a river, so there's water. And, but the, the, the main point is there's no separation. There's no separation. People will ask me, um, what will heaven be like? Um, will there be animals in heaven? And I could insert cat joke now, but I won't. And uh, people will ask all the time, what 
uh, animals will be there? Which ones will be there in heaven? Well, I want to tell you this, that Isaiah talks about this with heaven, and I believe that there will be animals in heaven as I read the Word of God and as we read the Word of God. Isaiah 11, 6 through 9 lists a bunch of animals. It says, the wolf will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat, the calf and the lion and the yearling together, and a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear, their young will lie down together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den, and the young child will put his hand into the viper's nest. They, they will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea." And so there's a, a description of animals in heaven. And I want to tell you this, as you look at this earth, you see that God created this earth with animals. And you've got to just think that if he created the Garden of Eden and there were animals there, that there will be animals in heaven. Somebody said, will the extinct animals come back? Sure, I guess. I mean, I, I don't know for sure, but I'm thinking if he created them then, they'll be there. Um, but here's the thing that I've noticed about this. In the flood, in the flood with Noah, God saved the animals. There's something about that. He saved the animals. He's always used animals throughout the Word of God and throughout history, he's used animals. He created the Garden of Eden with animals in it. The Ten Commandments even talk about resting, that you get to rest and your animals get to rest. So there's a care and a concern for animals. And then people will just say like, but what about my dog? What about my cat? What about Fluffy? Will Fluffy be there? I don't know, all right? I don't know. Um, I don't know. Fluffy didn't make it eternal life here on earth, so I don't know if Fluffy will be in heaven, but whatever Fluffy pet you get will be a totally obedient, potty-trained Fluffy, okay? So just embrace it, all right? Embrace it. Now, people say, well, what about my house? What about my house? I mean, there's mansions, and I love the little kids. My house will be gold. I'll have two rooms. I'll have workers. I love that, that they're talking about, what will heaven be like? What will it be like? Now, I, I want you to understand this. When it talks about, in my Father's house, John 14, 2, Jesus is talking, he said, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. Now, I want to let you know that that translation of the word mansions, again, is really not the best translation. The best translation would be, in my father's house, there are many rooms. If that was not so, I would have told you, but I'm going there to prepare a place for you. So I want you to wipe away the idea that heaven is going to be like an episode of MTV Cribs, all right? You know, here we are, the Apostle Paul with his custom water slide. We're going to get a tour, you know. It's twice as big as Peter's water slide. You know, it's not going to be, all right? Just take that out of your mind. Here's the issue, and I, and I don't believe all the houses will look the same or all the rooms, and the idea is not a mansion. That's just so greed-filled, okay? The idea is not a mansion, and like, man, I'm going to get a big mansion, and I can't wait for my mansion, okay? The idea is this. There's room for you. There's room for you. Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. In my Father's house, there's many rooms. There's room for you. There's room no, no matter how bad you've been. There's room if you call on the name of Jesus. There's room for every tribe and every tongue and every nation. There's room for you. 
And when I read that scripture, I get fired up about global project and kingdom builders and our church. And, and it's, there's room for you. There's room. That's why we start second service and third service and Saturday night services. That's why we start other campuses. That's why we go into all the world. That's why we give millions of dollars to missions because there's room for the next one and the next one and the next one. And that scripture, instead of saying, well, I hope that my mansion has this and this and I got a theater and this, instead it should be, God, I, I pray that there is more room, more room. May my life be so into serving you and leading people to faith in you that it keeps you busy adding more rooms. Way better thought than, well, I hope I get a water slide. Way better thought. Even though that song says it's a big, big house with a big, big yard where we can play football, but not at Lambeau, all right. Okay, another thing, people say, like, well, what will we be like? What, what will my body be like? What will it be like? And here's some scriptures, uh, Philippians 3.21. It says this, he will take our weak mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies like his own, using the same power with which he will bring everything under his control. It talks about a glorified body. Well, who had a glorified body that we can take a look at? After Jesus rose from the dead and came back to his disciples, he had a glorified body. And it says in Luke 24, starting in verse 39, he says, look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself, touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish and he took it and ate it in their presence. We're gonna have a glorified body. It says it in Philippians. It says there in Luke how Jesus was. There's other scriptures that talk about us having a glorified body. And people have speculated, uh, again, question after question, what age will I be in heaven? Will my kids grow up that we lost uh, to a disease or death? Will they grow up and be the same age? Will we all be the same age? We don't know exactly. Some people have said that we'll probably all be around 30 years old, wherever our peak performance is, that we'll be there. We don't know for sure, but we know this, we'll have a glorified body that will be perfect. We'll know that we will have a glorified body that will not have any disabilities or diseases. And I really don't believe that any of our scars will go with us into heaven other than the scars of Jesus, because those are the only ones that matter, okay? So I, I believe we're gonna be perfect. And if you give me just a moment, this is a pastor human humor moment. I was like, the people of LA and Beverly Hills will look like the rest of us in heaven. They're gonna lose all that plastic surgery, and they're gonna, you know, nose is gonna go back to normal size. Anyways, but little pastor humor there, all right? Here's the thing, I love what Randy Elkhorn said in his book on heaven. He said, we're not going to try and look beautiful. We will be beautiful. We will be beautiful. And you're like, well, we all look the same, but we don't look the same here. I believe God loves diversity. I believe that's why he says every tribe, every tongue, every language. I believe we're going to look different in heaven, but it's going to be okay. We're going to accept that, and we're going to be happy with the way we look, and we're going to have a glorified, perfect body. People say, well, will I be myself? Jesus said that when he was glorified. He said, look, it's me. It's me. He didn't say, look, I'm not the same. He's like, look, it's me. And you think about whenever it references somebody in the Bible, it's Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, David. It's people. It's not like they, uh, it's, it's number 47297, you know, and, and he looks a lot like his twin, you know. I mean, it wasn't like that. 
It's you and I. We will look like we look, and we'll have a glorified body. And again, I don't know exactly all that means, but I'm telling you, we will have a glorified body. And I I believe this, we will um, know each other. People say, well, will we know each other? Will that be fun to go to heaven and be like walking by your spouse and you didn't even know them? You know? And some of you are like, that would be. No, it wouldn't. All right. Isaiah 65, 17. Here's where we kind of get that. It says, see, I will create new heavens and new earth. The former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. So people are like, will I not remember anybody? Okay, but let me just tell you, verse 16, which was before that, ends with this. For the past troubles will be forgotten and hidden from my eyes. And then it says the former things will not be remembered. Not that you as a person will not be remembered, but that the pain and the suffering and the other things and the sins that you commit, they will not be remembered anymore in God's presence. But you will be known as you are known, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13. There's no indication that there'll be a memory wipe in heaven and you won't remember anyone. You're like, nope, no clue, don't know who you are. And I want to let you know this, that an absorption into God and not knowing anyone else, that is a Hindu belief. That is a Hindu belief. That is not promoted by Christianity that we'll be absorbed into nothing and we'll all be just one uh, blob and not having identity God created us with variety and and distinct personalities and looks, and I believe God loves that, and so we are not going to be absorbed in. So with that, people said, and they said, will I be married in heaven? And and honestly, uh, other than the fact that the Bible talks about us being married to Christ and having a relationship with God and being in a relationship, it doesn't appear that we'll be married. It doesn't appear that we'll be married to one another, but we'll know one another. And, you know, it's, we'll have a big family and either we'll either enjoy the bigness of our family, the biological family that we have, the spiritual family that we have. I loved it. This week I was at a, a deacon meeting at our Faribault campus and uh, Katie Heyer said, you know, you're like my spiritual dad. You, you Pastor Rob, you're like my spiritual father. And I just, it just hit me. We have a biological family and a spiritual family. And we're going to enjoy this. People said, well, I have emotions. Will I be married? Will I have emotions? And I believe we'll have emotions. God has emotions. The Bible tells us in Revelation that we'll have no tears of pain, but prior to that, it talks about us having tears of joy. So I believe that we'll have emotions, but they will be perfectly controlled, and they'll be under the uh, authority of Jesus, and we won't have wild emotions and bad behaviors. People have said, um, will there be sex in heaven? And again, if there's not marriage, I don't believe that there would be. And I will tell you this, and I won't dwell on this too much. Um, it may be that we are able to, but we would prefer not to. And you're like, really? Okay, but think about it. Heaven is an upgrade. If what you're enjoying here is a taste, heaven is an upgrade. And it may be that what is there is so much greater. And I think we live in a sex-crazed society that makes that like the end-all, be-all. Jesus was single, by the way, okay? And I'm telling you that this is not uh, all, like, end-all, be-all, okay? And I will tell you this, we should be very suspect of any description of heaven and really deem it as false that really glorifies sex as the great reward of heaven. Some religions teach that if you go to heaven, there'll be a well in your backyard that will perpetually uh, cause a virgin to come out for you to have for your own pleasure. Other religions talk about populating a planet with all the wives and the guy has all these wives. I'm telling you what, that's very suspect. When you read the Word of God, there's something higher and greater than that being talked about. 
People ask me and said, what language will we speak in heaven? Probably Spanish, okay? Probably Spanish. <laughs> or French. I mean, bonjour. I mean, I don't think that's much better than how y'all doing. I mean, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, sure, you betcha. I mean, you know, I just think there's some better, you know, but <laughs> we were all, Revelation 7, 9. After this, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hand. It's, it's every tribe. It's every tongue. It's every nation. I won't go into it, but the Bible also talks about golden sashes, and I believe that we'll have different colored uh, accessories, if you will. I just don't think it's just going to be white. What we do from keep from being bored, that's one. I want to go to this. First of all, I'm going to tell you this. If you ask that question, you have the wrong perception of heaven, okay? You probably have the wrong perception of God. You're probably in church board. You're probably a Christian board, and you're doing it wrong. Being a Christian should be exciting giving, serving, sacrificing, going on global teams, building the kingdom of God, risking everything. Stop living for the American dream and live to bring glory and honor to your king and savior. There's something about this. Here's the thing. You will not be bored. The best way I could say this is you will not be bored because heaven is an upgrade. Anything you enjoy here is nothing more than an appetizer. Heaven is an upgrade. I'll never forget, we had Global Team Spain. There were only four of us on that team. We were going over there to kind of see if the campus in Valencia would actually become a campus. There were four of us, Becca, uh, myself, Logan, and Pastor Justin. And we had economy comfort seats. And we raced to the gate in New York. And we got there. And they said, Mr. Ketterling, I'm sorry, we gave away your seats. And I was like, what in the world? We had economy comfort. This is a long flight to Spain. And I kind of went all Delta, Diamond on them. I was like, are you kidding? And they said, da 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 we upgraded you to first class. I was like, well, thank you. <laughs> and I can tell you this, when they were doing the upgrade and I was sitting in first class, I was never like, I wonder what economy comfort is like. I wonder if I could have the rubber chicken versus filet mignon. I didn't know they served custom-made desserts with all the whipped cream and nuts you wanted. And I, was, I never thought, I wish I could be back there in a chair rather than laying flat and sleeping. Here's what I was thinking, don't ever send me back there. But I can't afford to stay up there all the time. But I was like, don't ever send me back because I had tasted the upgrade. And by the way, on the way home, we also got the upgrade. We printed up our tickets. We're like, we're all first class again. We thought they made a mistake and they said it was oversold. So we upgraded your whole team. It's the only global team that has been first class both ways. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> and now it's a sermon illustration. So there you go. But heaven is an upgrade. It's an upgrade. So I'm just telling you, anything that you're doing here, it's going to be greater there. Here, I love what J.I. Packer said. He said, here on earth, we say in great joy, I never want this to end, but it does. In heaven, we're going to say, I want this to go on forever, and it will. It's amazing when you think about it. People, one person, this is a true question, it said, will heaven be like a never-ending Chris Tomlin concert? You know, that's what they said. And I, I said, no, I mean, not really. Like the way they think about it. We're going to worship in heaven forever, but you have to broaden your view of worship. When you work, you can worship God. When you give, you're worshiping God. When you're speaking for him, you're worshiping God. There's a time of praise and worship that we think that's all it is. It's more than that. As you're living, breathing, going about your regular, ordinary life, you're worshiping God as you bring glory and honor to his name. 
Okay, but with that being said, we will sing in heaven. It looks like there'll be spontaneous outbursts of singing in heaven. Apparently, we'll all be in tune, and it's going to be amazing. But let me share this. The reason why I just love singing here on earth, and it's a value of our church to have the presence of God as we sing, um, because worship takes us somewhere. It transcends. It gets me out of here and now, and through the power of the Holy Spirit, it takes me somewhere. I'll never forget Pastor Ryan was singing a special music number, and I, I just, I don't even remember what it was, but I remember it was amazing. And he was doing this special music number, and this one lady stood up during worship and just started raising her hands. And then pretty soon the whole church stood up and raised, started raising her hands. And the worship song went to another level. And after the service, I saw her in the lobby and I said, wow, you just jumped to your feet and stood up. I said, what was going on? She said, Pastor Rob, Ryan was going somewhere and he was taking me with him. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> and I'm just telling you, there's something about it that when we worship, God's going to take us into a greater presence, a greater revelation, and music is going to move us, and that's why we just love so much what God is doing through our worship and through our praise and worship. We will worship, we will sing, we will praise. Um, don't have time to go into it, but the angels will be playing the harps, not you. You're not going to be transformed into an angel, okay? You're not going to all of a sudden be zapped into an angel. We are going to learn in heaven. The only one that's said about being omniscient, all-knowing, is God. I don't know if we're going to learn quicker, if I, I'll just come quick and all of a sudden, bam, it's going to hit us and faster, but we will learn in heaven. We will understand more of God and, and, and he's just ever expanding and you're just going to learn more and more and more and you will never exhaust who God is. You will work in heaven. You're like, really? Okay, but think about it. Work was pre-fall. God's like, I want you to take care of things. I want you to take care of the garden and the animals. I want you to take care of them. Work was pre-fall. Hard work was after the fall. How many would love to have work with just amazing employees and amazing bosses? Okay? So we're like, amen. I don't want to know where you work. All right. But it's going to be like that. You're going to rule and reign. Revelation 22.5 says, and they shall reign forever and ever. Revelation 2.26, and he who overcomes and keeps my words until it works until the end, to him I will give the power over the nations. I believe that it's going to be an expanding kingdom of God. Will he create other universes? No clue. Don't know. I'm up for it. Whatever he wants to do. But he says, if you're faithful in little, you'll be faithful over much. There's something that's going on. Oh, people said, will we rest? Will we rest? Yes. And rest will be a good thing. Rest will be a good thing. You'll rest your mind. If you've ever tor been tormented in your mind and you can't shut it off, heaven will be perfect rest. If you've ever not been able to rest because your body hurts so bad, you'll have perfect rest. If your spirit and the things you've done wrong agitate, you have perfect rest. There's so many different things. We'll eat in heaven accordingly. And so I just say this as we close out. Let's lean into heaven. Let's lean into heaven. Let's lean into it. This is where we're going. This is where God is. This is the end result, the time to be with God, to be with Jesus, to be in his presence. Let's lean into this. Let's start having our eyes fixed on heaven. I guarantee you, we'll live differently. And let's be ready to be surprised by heaven. Look around the earth and see just a glimpse of what it might look like, but let's be surprised by it. I'll close with this last statement. John Newton, who was the famous slave trader that wrote Amazing Grace, said this about heaven and three surprises that he expects to find in heaven. 
He says, if ever I reach heaven, I expect to find three wonders there. First, to meet some I had not thought to see there. How many know that'd be exciting to meet people you didn't think would make it? He said, second, I expect to be, have the wonder to miss some that I expected to see there. He said, and third, the greatest wonder of all is to find myself there. Because he knew that he had done so much bad and he knew that he had been given grace. And I just want to tell you, it's the wonder that we get to go there. It's the wonder that we get to be, to be with Jesus. It's the wonder that as we grab hold of grace, he says, you're forgiven, you're set free, you have eternal life, you'll spend heaven with me. So Lord, I thank you for that. And I thank you for the wonder and the surprise that is that, just that, that you forgive sinners. You have opened up heaven for us. You've given us a taste of eternal life and you help us to confess our sins and turn to you. And we thank you, God. We thank you, God, that you would love someone like us. There's room, there's room, there's room. And so I pray today here and at all of our campuses, we'd realize there's room for the next one. There's room for the next one. There's room for the next one. We'd keep working. We'd keep reaching. We'd keep giving. We'd start new services, new campuses, new life groups, because there's always room for one more. May our church keep you busy expanding heaven. And may we present these people before you and say, Lord, here they are. Thank you, Lord, for grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.